so much. Open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 17, one of the most familiar stories in all of the Bible, and what a joy it is to be here this evening. I do not know if I've ever seen a uh, more challenging uh, evening to get out and to drive to church uh, than what we've had this evening, and thank you for your commitment uh, to be in church anyway. Some of you may have had to swim or take a boat, or uh, but whatever, I'm glad you're here. And I do appreciate you coming. And I appreciate those that are watching online. And I heard from folks last night that watched the service online across the country. And I appreciate that very much. I want to thank you for your emphasis and your faithfulness to the bus ministry. I want to thank you for week after week uh, loving uh, the unknown, uh, uh, the forgotten, and uh, to care about them. You know, it's a sad, sad thing to recognize uh, multiplied millions of people that have nobody to care about their eternal soul. And, uh, and it's so important that we are faithful. And I want to say thank you, and not only for your faithfulness, but for hosting uh, the conference that has a bigger impact than what is seen uh, just in a building, uh, the advertisement before and afterwards, and uh, those that watch online to know uh, that Woodlawn is still at it, and they're still winning people to Christ and still making a world of difference. So often uh, you hear the statement, where where are they all? Uh, you know, if you ask a fisherman, how many times did you cast and not catch anything? Uh, it would be about 98% of the time, and uh, but they keep on fishing, and we keep on witnessing and keep on running buses, and uh, it, it's exciting. You know, uh, Brother Harding said, God can make a difference. By morning, God can have the attention of this entire nation. He could. And uh, we need to stay faithful, and I appreciate uh, your faithfulness. And I appreciate the personal friendship of Brother Tyson. I, I mean that. I, I appreciate his personality. I appreciate his commitment. And I appreciate his personal friendship. Every week I check to see how things went at Woodlawn Baptist Church. And uh, I, I hear from about 40 or 45 churches every week of churches that we have started. And then there are other churches like this that have a strong bus ministry and always look to see and rejoice. Uh, you know, if heaven's rejoicing, I don't want to be pouting. And uh, there's a lot of rejoicing going on uh, here in Bowie, Maryland and this region. First Samuel chapter 27. I'll only read three verses of a most familiar story. And I'll ask you to stand with me. Thank you for the preparation of the music. And thank you for uh, the presentations. I thank the Lord for the known ministry. I thank the Lord for uh, the bus them in. And I thank the Lord for uh, Brother Harding and what he means to America and what he means to our uh, nation's capital. And what an amazing influence, an amazing influence. Every time he runs into somebody from Kentucky, uh, most of the time the congressman or whoever it is from Kentucky will say, they'll send me a picture and say, I ran into a good friend of yours uh, in Washington today. And I'll text him back and say, he owes me a $100. Uh, see if you can get that from him. But anyway, I, I appreciate him. I love him so very much. First Samuel chapter 17, verse number 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, this is David and David's oldest brother. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride. Now, he is making a judgment that's not true. If he gave David time to answer the question, he would say, Dad sent me to check on you. 
But he said, why are you here? And he answered his own question, and he answered it falsely. He didn't come because of pride. David was taking care of the sheep, and his father said, I want you to take this food to your brothers. And I want you to check on your brothers and see how they're doing. That's why he went. I knew thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle." And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Sort of Christ-like when you answer a question with a question to put life into perspective. Verse number 30. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. I want to preach tonight on this subject, the power of a cause. The power of a cause. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I hunger to be a blessing. And I pause to pray, and and I think of this so often. Lord, I'm not required to stop and pray before I preach. And certainly it's not a habit. Lord, I do hunger. I hunger. I pray the prayer often, Lord, because I preach most every night. I never want to come to the place that I would take a single sermon, a single truth, a single opportunity for granted, and a hunger for your power. Lord, I want you to do a work in our hearts and in our lives, not only in this church and these guests who have come to be with us, but the many folks that watch us online. I pray that you would use the message tonight. Use me as your servant, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, the story is a familiar story, and I'm not going to take a long time to rehearse it, but just share with you some of the context information to help us as we get to the uh, uh, the purpose of the sermon, uh, the, uh, the power of a cause. Uh, the Philistines and the Israelites were constant at one another. Uh, the Philistines represent the devil and the world, and of course uh, Israel was God's chosen people, and they were always at battle. They were always at war with one another. It's sort of like our flesh. We're constantly in battle against our own flesh, against the world, and against the devil, and that's what's going on. As they are engaged in some form of battle, Goliath comes out in a public manner and he begins to curse and yell about the people of God and actually curse the God of heaven. And and as you know the story, he makes a statement and he issues a challenge. He said, why don't you send send a man out to fight against me? And he said, if I defeat him, you'll serve me. If he defeats me, we'll serve you. The devil is a liar, and he's never kept his word. The Philistines did not serve Israel, though Goliath lost his head in that challenge. And I don't know why we would ever think we could do business with the devil or do a deal with the devil. And you know the story, David. I don't know what point that he comes. I don't know if there's been a battle going on and David saw the battle, or by the time David gets there, His brothers are hidden and Saul is hidden and they're afraid because Goliath has made this a challenge. But at some point, David hears the cursing and swearing of Goliath. And he makes fun of, he makes light of the army of Israel and worse, the God of Israel. And David says that he is going to go fight this giant. Of course, everybody begins to make light and even make fun of him. And his brother, for some reason, is very angry at David. You know the story. But David does not answer his question as it's asked. David simply answers the question, is there not a cause? And I want to preach tonight on the effect or the power of a cause on a man's life. I mean, it became more than an idea. It became more than a campaign. It was more than an emotional stir. It was more than a one-time fight. It was a cause that David was willing to die for. I'm concerned as I've seen some change among independent Baptists when it comes to this matter of soul winning in the bus ministry. 
I've seen some that have allowed the bus ministry and soul winning uh, to be just a secondary work of what they do and who they are. In fact, oftentimes they keep a few buses around so they can be identified as a church that has a bus ministry, but it is no longer their cause. Now I want to say tonight, I thank God when I find churches that are just dedicated to the cause of winning children to Christ. Uh, several years ago now, and, and uh, our family was on vacation, and we missed maybe five Sundays in my uh, 35 years as a pastor. And we were taking a, a longer trip, and so uh, we were going through Pennsylvania, and uh, we were looking for a church to attend on Sunday. And so Saturday evening, I was out looking around, and I found a church with buses. And they had three big yellow buses, and I said, well, that's it, no questions asked. That's where I'm going to church in the morning. And uh, I didn't go early, and as I usually do, my motto is to go early. I go everywhere early. You know why? It gives you time to fix a problem, still be on time. I tell my bus workers, you come early, you have time to fix a problem, still be on time. And there will be a problem to fix, and you can still be on time. You with me? And so I decided I would go to church, and we would go, and uh, my aunt and uncle was with us and my family, and we went uh, right at church time. They were starting church, and we walked in, and my expectation with those buses out there, and it said Independent Baptist Church. But when I I went in and saw the monkey cage on the platform. I thought, boy, I'm in trouble. I mean, they had a set of drums. I don't know why they keep those fellas caged up, but they did. They had a glass cage around him and, and had the drums. And I thought, oh, I don't know, I've messed up. And we went in, and uh, I wanted to leave, and, and I, I walked halfway down, and I just sat there. I thought, well, surely it's not going to last long. I pulled my hearing aids out. One good thing about being hard of hearing. And, and I thought, boy, this just doesn't match a bus ministry church with this kind of music. And then they said, we have an announcement about the bus ministry. And what they did in Pennsylvania, they took the church in, in buses and they went out and gave out Hershey kisses to people. They didn't use those buses to bring in children. And it was, uh, my wife surrendered to the bus ministry that morning uh, when she learned about the uh, Hershey kisses. Uh, but but it wasn't their cause at all. They didn't have any care or concern about children hearing the gospel. That's what they delivered Hershey Kisses in. But I'm going to tell you something. I'd like to see another generation of young men, another generation of young ladies just decide, I'm going to give my life to the cause of Christ. It's not going to be something I do if I have time. It's what I'm going to do with my life. I am going to serve God. I am going to put God first in my life. I am going to serve God. I am going to make a difference with my life. Yes, I'm going to work. But my work is not what my purpose in life is. My purpose in life is to serve Christ and to do the will of God. I'm talking about getting a cause or a burden and giving your life to the cause of Christ. Now, when when the cause becomes your life, several things will happen that will help you in your life. I want to give you six of those tonight. First of all, a cause will help you to ignore the critics. When it's your cause, you don't care what the critics say. It doesn't matter. And, 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 and you know if you do anything for God, somebody's going to criticize you. Independent Baptists are wasting too much time in this matter of answering critics. Critics are a dime a dozen. And they're everywhere. But I want to tell you something. A cause will help you to ignore the critics. David's own brothers criticized him. They judged his motives. They judged his purpose. They judged him wrongly. But David didn't care. He wasn't there to answer the critics. He was there to fulfill the cause that God had put in his heart. Now I want to say tonight, if the bus ministry and soul winning is not our cause in life, our critics will discourage us. Our critics will eventually... Uh, defeat us. David declared, is there not a cause? 
When they said to him, why are you here? Is there not a cause? I know the naughtiness of thine heart. Is there not a cause? He kept his focus. He kept his attention on the fact that his cause was to fulfill the will of God and to fight against that giant. Now you take anybody in the Bible that was committed to the cause. First of all, they always had critics and the cause kept them from hearing the critics. Joseph began with his own brothers and they criticized Joseph. Everywhere he went, they criticized him. They forgot him. Oh, but Joseph, he was, he was caught up with the cause that God had put in his heart and put in his life. And Joseph did not allow the critics to derail him. The apostle Paul, he never came to a time in his life that he didn't have critics all the way through uh, criticizing him. Some even saying he wasn't worthy to be an apostle and he didn't have uh, uh, the credentials to uh, have the position that he did. But Paul didn't care about his critics. Paul cared about the cause and he gave himself uh, uh, for the cause of Christ. I want to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter what they say about the bus ministry, we're going to keep the buses rolling. doesn't matter what they say about soul winning, we're going to keep soul winning going because it is the cause, it is the cause of the hour. The Lord Jesus had many critics, but the cause was much greater than the critics. Now, we live in a day where everybody has a platform for their criticism. But you don't have to read it. In fact, one of the ways you can find out if you're heading in the right direction if you have critics. In 1982, I went to Tennessee Temple University to Bible College. It was Tennessee Temple College in 1982. My dad got cancer in 1983, and so I came home for what the doctors thought would be six months of life. My dad lived 23 months, and so I continued my college education there at a public college in southeast Kentucky uh, at Alice Lloyd College. It was a mountain school and probably had seven or 800 students. I remember every Sunday night after church, I would drive to the dorms and I would go to school Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, I would come home Wednesday and then I would drive back to the dorms on Wednesday night. I remember one Sunday night, I drove back to the dorms. Of course, I had a suit and tie on, had my Bible under my arm, got out of the car and closed the door. I'll never forget, I heard somebody say, hey, preacher boy. I looked up there, and there was fellow up there on the uh, fellows up there on the on the rails and uh, standing up there on the porch. Where you been, preacher? They knew where I'd been. I'd been to church. I said I've been to church, and they started calling me preacher names. They called me Jesse Jackson of all people. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I don't even I don't even have a tan, let alone look like Jesse Jackson. And they called me, and they called me Billy Graham, and they called me every name, they, all the preacher names. And, and, and it bothered me. And I went back, and I said, Dad, I want to talk to you. And he said, yes, sir. He said, son, what, what, what's going on? I said, well, I said, I went back, and I just went through this big, long story. And I told him I got out of the car, closed the door, had my Bible under my arm. They started laughing at me. And he said, well, wonderful, that's good. I said, no, I said, no, you, you don't understand. They was making fun of me. He said, I heard you. He said, that's good. He said, son, if you never run into the devil, you may be going the same direction he is. He said, when you give your life to doing right, you're going to run into the devil. I've never had a time in my life that I didn't recognize when I ran into the devil. I had that thought in mind. We're headed in the right direction. I remember one night we'd been out soul winning. Joe Boyd uh, was at our church and he and I had been soul winning all day. I don't know how many converts we had to baptize that night. I started to step down into the baptistry and it was dry. Somebody had let the water out of the baptistry. I don't know why, but this statement, well, you must be headed in the right direction. You must be, I think of that every single week. Can I tell you something? When you're given to a cause... You don't care about the critics. You can tell a fellow that's not given to the cause when he spends too much time with the critics. Let me give you the second thing. My cause consumes me. With all of my life, I want nothing more than to see as many people as I can persuade, as many people as I can influence, as many people as I can convince with my life to serve God. There are no regrets in serving God with your life. 
You, you, you don't have to stand before God and say, I should have done something else, but I served you all my life. I worked to win people to Christ all my life. Uh, you, you won't do that. You'll never have a regret serving God. My cause consumes me. Every week somebody says to me, Preacher, I don't know how in the world you travel so many miles and preach so many times and day after day after day. And I say often, if you had a friend that golfed every day, would you be worried about him? But that's golfing and that's fun. I want to tell you something. When you're committed to a cause, it will consume you, dear friend, and there is nothing that you enjoy any more than the cause of Christ. I'm asked often, do you have any hobbies? I do. What is it, preaching? Well, what do you do besides preach? I study. Besides that, yeah, I pray a lot. And and, and I, I do. I said the other day in church, I was telling the folks, I go golfing once a year, and I accidentally said I go golfing once a week. And I didn't catch it till after church. Somebody told me. And a fellow said, I've been golfing with you before. I go with the men one time a year. And it's comic relief for them. I think they divide up and see who has to take me golfing. And uh, a, a fellow said, for a fellow that golfs once a week, you're the worst golfer i ever seen in my life. But can I tell you something? The cause will consume you. You, 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 you won't look to see if you put your three hours in. You'll look to see if you finished your route. You, you won't look to see if it's time for something else. You'll look to see if you can find another visitor, somebody else to witness to. You see, we need to get back to a cause, a cause that consumes us. I know folks that are, that are consumed with politics. Now I'm concerned with who gets elected. But politics doesn't consume my life. I know folks that are consumed with business, and life has business in it. But business doesn't consume my life. Some are consumed with influence and recognition and many different things. Oh, we need a group of folks again that are consumed with the cause of Christ. And David said, is there not a cause? And oh, how we need to give our lives to the cause of Christ. John twelve twenty four. Jesus He said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Maybe that's why there's so much loneliness in our world today. I want to live for myself. Who wants to live alone? I want to live for myself. I want to live for God. I want to live for Christ. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference in the cause of Christ. There was a drive-by shooting in Lexington. It was the week that COVID broke out. It was March 2020. A little boy was in bed with his mother, a little five-year-old boy. And a a bullet caught him in the back of the head. And it came out his his right eye. Now, it, it, it missed his brain, so it blinded him, but did not affect his ability to think and ability to function. That was in March. In April of this year, April of this year, Malachi was the little boy's name. The bus captain was out visiting and signing up riders. And notice this little black boy, uh, blind black boy that had a, a walking stick. And he was out with all the kids and he was out there playing. And he kept asking, what's going on? Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? They said, oh, they're the bus people. What, what, what do you mean the bus people? They said, well, we ride the bus to go to Sunday school. He said, I want to go to Sunday school. And uh, the bus captain, he uh, went to see Malachi's mama and said, can Malachi go with us on the bus tomorrow? And she said, no, he can't go to church. I'm not interested in that. Oh, he said, mama, tomorrow's Easter and they're going to have an Easter egg hunt. And I, I want to go. Please let me go on the bus. She said, you go to the Easter egg hunt. But that's all. One time, Malachi came on the bus and he asked when they were there, what are they doing? And they said, they're hunting Easter eggs. He said, I want to hunt Easter eggs. So they took some eggs and they put them on the pavement in front of him. And they said, okay, there's eggs out there. See if you can find them. He took his stick. He hit it on the ground. He said, no, no. He said, put it in the grass where all all the other eggs are. And the little Malachi is seven years old now. 
He, he, he had his walking stick out there and he was going through the grass and he, he found an egg and he tapped it and he said, Hey, I found one. I found one. What color is it? What color is it? And they told Malachi what color it was and they gave it to him. They said, Malachi, you found a candy egg this April of this year. You found a candy egg. He opened it up. And I want to tell you something. He might, might not can see, but he knows how to open candy. And boy, he started taking the wrappers off of that and eating that candy and he got his stick and he, and he just kept looking and he would yell, I found one, I found one. And he'd always say, what color is it? What color is it? The next Sunday, the next Saturday, bus captain was out on the route again. Kids were playing Malachi. I said, who is it? Who are you all talking to? They said, it's the bus people. I'm going to go. I want to go. Let's go ask my mom. Mom said, no, you can't go. Oh, he said, mom, please let me go. Mama, please let me go. They're going to they're gonna have inflatable rides and slides. Let me go one more time. So Malachi came. He asked the question, what are they doing? They said, they're coming down the inflatable slide. He said, I want to go. Bus worker took him up the slide, and he went up the ladder and down the slide. You know how it goes. And then he said, I want to do it by myself. Independent as he could be. I'll do it by myself. They took him to the ladder, and up he went and down. They sent me a video, and he said, whee! Every time he'd come down, he was so excited. He loved it. Little Malachi, seven years old. They were in class that morning. About halfway through the lesson, Malachi raised his hand. Yes, Malachi, can we help you? They thought he needed to go to the restroom or something. Malachi, can I help you? Can I get saved? Can, 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 can I be a Christian? And they took the Bible and they went through the plan of salvation and Malachi trusted Christ as Savior. Now you tell me what business deal beats that. You tell me what football game beats that. You tell me. Now I'm not against business. Now I'm not against football and I enjoy it like everybody else. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a cause that we've given ourselves to. And our cause ought to consume us. Our cause ought to control what we do. And number three, my cause controls me. It controls my thinking. My cause controls my spending. My cause controls my behavior. My cause controls my actions and my reactions of life. David put himself in danger, but his mind wasn't on danger. It was on the cause. David had more courage than the king because the king had his uh, had his focus on himself and David had his focus on his cause. And that's why he had more courage and David risked his life for the cause of Christ. How sad it is, how frightening it is that there are those that are given to the causes of sin and the causes of evil to bring hurt and pain on the land and those that have worked to take away the freedom and the liberties of our land. Oh, how we need another generation to give their lives to the cause, to the cause, to the cause of Christ. I think of the Lord Jesus as he went down to Samaria. They went into town to get something to eat. Jesus, you want... No, he said, you go on. A few minutes they came back and they offered Jesus food. He said, I have meat that you know not of. They said, did somebody bring Jesus a lunch? Oh, he said, look, can I, can I ask you a question? Especially as a boy. You ever remember playing and having so much fun you forget to eat? I mean, you'd rather play. I mean, when I was a boy, I'd rather play basketball than eat. Now I'd rather eat twice than watch a basketball game. <laughs> Funny how life changes. I was preaching. I was preaching in the Philippines in first um, of October. Rick Martin has been there forty some years, forty one, forty two years. Amazing. There was a thousand pastors there, fifteen hundred workers. Brother Martin, just a little fella. How many of you all met Rick Martin or a picture of him? I mean, a little fella. I doubt he weighs 90 pounds. I was concerned about him. Honest, I was concerned. I said, Brother Martin, how's your health? Fine. He said, play basketball every week. I said, "Um, you look like you've lost weight since the last time I saw you. He said, I know it. He said, I get so busy working, I forget to eat. There's a lot of things I forget to do. Eating's not one of them. (laughs) But he was as serious as could be. His wife is taking cancer treatments and a, a natural cancer treatment here in America. And he, he's in the Philippines a month and then here a month with her and back and forth. He said, I just get so busy. Oh, God, give us another generation of young men and young ladies that will give themselves to the cause of Christ, to the place that controls us. 
My cause creates a desire and drive within me. I'm always looking for ideas. I'm always excited about ministries. I'm always thankful for every missionary and every ministry just to think they could win another group of people to Christ. And it could be that group that would help to usher in revival. As Brother Zach Campbell was talking last night, he said, you know, the world is coming to us. If we can win them to Christ and them go back, we have missionaries in China. They, 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 they have to, they're in secret in what they do. But if we can win Chinese to Christ, they can win their family to Christ. I don't know about you, but that just stirs me up. I mean, that's as exciting as finding out where the fish are biting. My cause constrains me. There are things that I don't do because of my cause. There are things I don't want to do because of my cause. Take take your Bibles, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. One of the things I hear young people say today, and sometimes not just young people, I hear folks say, well, what's wrong with this? And I'll answer them, I'll say, honestly, There's nothing wrong with that. But there's something wrong with you not living your life to serve God. You see, you get so many things in your life that there's nothing wrong with, but yet it never accomplishes anything for Christ. You live your whole life doing nothing wrong and nothing, never do anything right. That's a waste of life. Folks are always saying, well, I don't see anything wrong with this music. I don't see anything wrong with this dress. I don't see anything wrong with this activity. I don't see anything wrong with going here. And I say, well, yes, you're probably right. Ah, oh, but listen, if you spend all your time doing things there's nothing wrong with, but you don't spend your life doing something that is productive and something that's winning folks to Christ, we're going to waste our life. Second Timothy chapter 2, notice in verse number 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Cause me. You know, athletes, there are things that they like to eat they won't eat because it keeps them from being the best athlete they can. Nothing wrong with it. But it keeps them from doing what they want to do. So many times we get so busy. We've got so many time-saving gadgets, we don't have time to do anything. We've got so many gadgets to keep our schedules on and remind us we don't have any time to do anything except take care of all them gadgets. I mean, there's not a thing in the world wrong with having a houseboat and two other boats and three cars and 14 motorcycles. I just don't know where I'm going to use them. Because my cause constrains me. Yes, I I love to fish. I just don't have time to go. I'm not against it. I'm just saying we've got to come to the place as David said when his brother asked him, I know the naughtiness of your heart. Why are you here? And he just simply said, is there not a cause? Number six and last of all, I love this. My cause carries me through the valley. The Bible says this, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. You know what Jesus did? His cause was to please the Father. His his cause was to die on the cross of Calvary. That's why Jesus came. He came to die on the cross, and he did not enjoy the cross. He did not enjoy all that all that he went through. But the joy that was set before him it carried him through the valley. You know, my cause carries me through the difficulties of life. My cause in life, it makes me want to keep going. I told the story this morning, and I tell it often, but when my dad found out he had cancer, and the doctor said, he asked, my dad asked him, he said, Doc, he said, how long do you think I have to live? And, and, and he had Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. It was in, it was in, it was behind his nose, it, it, it was in his neck, it was in the sack around his heart. And, 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 and he said, Doc, how long do I have to live? 
And the doctor said, Sam, and I'll never forget the doctor, Dr. Smith. He was such a kind man. And, and I'll never forget, he said, Sam, he said, I don't know, and nobody can tell you for sure, but from my experience, probably six months. You know what my dad did? My dad took his pencil and a piece of paper. He made a list of things that he wanted to do before he died. One of those was another fall campaign. Now, my dad didn't know what a fall, a four-week campaign was. Fall campaigns to him were 13 weeks because that's how long the fall lasted. 13-week fall campaign. My dad, I mean, he was a driver. I want to have another. And, and, and he would give away, for example, if you would ride the bus 10 out of 13 times, you got to go on big trips. For example, one year, if you came 10 out of 13 times, you got to go to McDonald's. Now, 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 now wait a minute. We were in Hazard. The closest McDonald's was two hours away. This is the true story. We went to McDonald's in Winchester, Kentucky from Hazard. Now, in a car, it's about two hours. In a bus, it's a day and a half. And, uh, but, but, but we rode the bus in a bus full. And I'll never forget in my life, little red-haired boy, and, he, and I know him. He's a man now. His son is a medical doctor. And his, his wife graduated from our college. And don't you love the beautiful stories of the bus ministry? Oh, I love them. I could tell them all the time. But he's standing there at McDonald's. He's looking up at the menu. And the lady said, where are you from? He said, Kentucky. (laughs) He thought he'd been riding two hours. Surely Kentucky's not that big. He didn't know what state he was in. He is from Kentucky. My dad said, I want to do a fall campaign. And he wrote this down. He said, I want to have another big revival meeting. He made a list of things. Not a single trip. Not a single vacation. The only thing I remember that we did as a family in what some would may call fun is we did go hunting a little bit more. Never killed anything, but we did go hunting. We looked for whatever we could find, rhinoceros, giraffes, <laughs> elephants, squirrels. We might as well have been looking for a rhinoceros. We didn't see any squirrels either, but we spent time together in the woods. This is the honest truth. My dad finished everything on that list. It took him 23 months. One of the things my dad said in the last week of the hospital that I'll never forget, he said, I should have made my list longer. He was consumed with a cause. And it carried him through the valley. And at 5 o'clock on August 27th, 1985... He closed his eyes. I stood on one side of the bed. My mom stood on the other. And I read for the last time. I'd probably read 500 times Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I feel sorry for those that can't figure out what they want to do in life. I know some adults, they've changed paths of directions of life. And, 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 and if that's what you want to do is change lanes all the time, that's fine with me. But we need some folks just dedicated to the cause of Christ. Now, I'm preaching to a Tuesday night crowd in a rainstorm. And if it was a few degrees colder, it'd be a snowstorm. And you're still, and you're, and you're here anyway. I know who I'm preaching to. But just in case you're looking for an exit, just in case you're looking for an excuse to stop, I plead with you on behalf of the young people of this region. And maybe the next revivalist preacher, the next missionary, the next pastor. Let's give our life to the cause all the way. To the very end. Dr. Jorgensen is our executive vice president of the college. He's 75. He just turned 75 in October. He went to see a retirement advisor. And um, he'd been in full-time college ministry 50 some odd years. 
And he said to the retirement advisor, he said, what's the number one reason people retire? He said, well, Mr. Jorgensen, they retire so they can do what they want to do. He said, well, I'm already doing that. So I think I'll just keep working as long as he'll let me work. I say tonight, let's stay committed to the cause. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for the old stories, those that we know so well. But Lord, how they stir our hearts and how they challenge us. Thank you for young David. That Lord, when he had critics that really, really could hurt him, he was so consumed with his cause. He looked beyond the critic and he kept his focus on the cause. I thank you for Woodlawn Baptist Church. And I thank you for the churches that are represented here tonight in this region. This group of bus workers, this group of soul winners. Our work is not easy, but no work for you has ever been easy. David faced losing his life for the cause. But that's what he was willing to do. I pray that you'd help us to keep on keeping on. In Jesus' name. Amen. As she plays on the invitation song, if there's reason for you to use the altar, I invite you to come. Maybe you're a young man trying to figure out what to do in life. Why don't you just come tonight and say, Lord, I want to give my life for the cause. Do you not hear the cursings of the world? Do, Do you not hear the crowd that says we want to teach children not just immodesty and immorality, but we want to pervert the minds of the children. Do you not hear the cursing and the swearing of the heathen just like Goliath of old? Somebody has to say, is there not a cause? God help us tonight to stay committed, committed, committed to the cause of Christ. Saturday when you visit, it's about the cause. Sunday when you get on your bus, it's about the cause. Sunday afternoon when you're tired, don't forget the cause. One more moment. look up here you could be seated all right these crazy kids have been harassing me for my entire pastorate to sing with them so i'm gonna come 
saying. All right, look, look here. No paparazzi, no posting on social media. All right. Where's the book? Put the up here. All right. Ushers, take him out. Hey, don't play that game. Turn all the other mics on, please. <laughs> Jeez. This is not a solo. Could it be that up in heaven God is sitting on his throne Anticipating another sinner Would soon become his own Years of wasted living And years of toil and strife about to be over as he receives against the Oh 
systems hate Jesus. All right. There you go. All right. Well, what a blessing. What a blessing to be in church. Thank you for, I haven't been outside since this morning, so I don't know what's going on out there, but evidently it's raining out there. Uh, oh, I went out there at lunchtime, but uh, uh, we're glad you've come. Thank you for those who have traveled a long way. Uh, we're honored that you've uh, been a part of the conference, and uh, Brother Fugit always brings challenging messages. And uh, we we need to stir our generation once again that the bus ministry still works. It still works. And don't worry about those that are walking away. We have someone to keep our eyes on. And his name is Jesus. And uh, we're thankful for God's goodness here at Woodlawn Baptist Church. So let's pray. Yep. Amen. Let's, let's pray for Malachi and his mom and pray God will work in his heart. Uh, Brother Bob, come dismiss us in prayer. Appreciate Brother Bob stepping in with all the stuff going on to help him, helping me get Brother Fugit back and forth. And we appreciate Brother Bob's just got to serve its heart. And um, let's pray and ask God's blessing. And uh, we look forward to seeing what God does in the weeks and months ahead. All right. Let's say, Heavenly Father, we... Thank you so much for this conference. We thank you so much. We looked forward to it. It's It just comes so quick and, and it leaves so quickly. But we're just so thankful for Brother Fugate and for the for the cause of Christ, the, the devotion he has for you, and uh, just the, the lessons that uh, we've learned today. Uh, Dad in heaven now since 1985, 35 years ago, Lord. And, uh, Lord, he's looking down and seeing a son that just loves you and has followed in, your, in his footsteps. And, Lord, he just loves you like his father did. And we're so thankful for that. And, Lord, we pray that we'll raise up our youngsters and our children that they'll and our grandchildren, that they'll want to serve you and they'll want to uh, seek ye first, the kingdom of heaven, rather than just the world and the things that it has. And actually, it seems like it doesn't have to offer. So I just pray that you'll be with each and every person as they leave tonight. Some are traveling several hours away. We just pray that you'll give them safety, especially on these wet roads tonight. It's chilly and all. So we just pray that you'll bless. And we pray that you'll... Uh, uh, be with Brother Harding. It's, uh, he gets up at 4 a.m. to take Dr. Fugate home uh, to the airport tomorrow and get back home safely in Kentucky. So we pray you're blessed now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.